Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation <laughs> Under Whiskey, uh, not .com. I almost said .com, but I am uh, I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, my business partner, the guy who likes to crack a, a cheeky wee joke before we start recording <laughs> to see if he can get my laugh machine going, and, and he, he definitely did do that. Yeah. The Whiskey Wizard, Jason Johnston Yellen, welcome back, as usual, <laughs> as always. No, I think you're I think your welcome back is well taken for the first Wednesday since March. You and I did not drop an episode of a podcast. We have not. Period. Now, having said that, our season of extra extra it's all about whiskey did come to an end and so there's a break for that podcast, but that was very much uh, purposeful because, well, the year ended, and the way we judge our seasons of Extra Extra is based on the calendar year. And so it makes sense that we had a wee break there. When does season two start of Extra Extra? I forget. January 20. January 20. There you go. Because there's not been Which any is... news since the none beginning of the year to <laughs> report. No, actually, I, I don't think whiskey exists anymore, to be honest. Um, <laughs> what is interesting, though, is that Extra Extra started April 1st and ran through the end of the year. And so I wondered if Extra Extra would return on a date close to April 1st, 2021. Yeah. And then what happened after you after you wondered that? What happened? I thought Joshua will never go for that mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to be silenced. I don't, I don't, I'd never want to be silenced here. I am Joshua Hatton, hear me roar. That's what I always say. That's my motto. Hear me roar. <laughs> Did you do anything over the new year? Because <sighs> I should say happy new year to you. We should say happy new year to all of our listeners around the globe. We have transitioned from 2020 mm-hmm. into 2021. Mm-hmm. I also have to add that we closed out 2020 with a three-hour, 15-minute episode of One Nation Under Whiskey, which, that's a serious endeavour. And to those who listened to it, thank you very much. And for those who emailed in or messaged or dropped a note on the Facebook, you know, one of many pages, to say, (laughs) I really dug that. I spent some time, you know, getting through it, but I really dug it. Personally, I just had a blast recording it with you. Mm-hmm. And it Same. was just simply, I think you'd posted on the Facebook, the Single Cast Nation Facebook page, the private members group there. I think you'd mentioned we recorded four hours of audio for that episode. And really, it was just four hours of you and me at the end of the year, popping drams, having whiskey chats. I had an absolute blast recording it with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that there are those who listened to it who enjoyed. It. I think I saw Christopher Sebastian say he was he was reaching to the to the shelves to pour more drams <laughs> as we were going through it. Um, and then I I don't know if you saw there was a note somewhere and I do apologize because I have forgotten the name. I'm not the social media guru around these parts. Mm. But but one dear listener whose name currently escapes me had said, could you guys either write it down or reiterate the two mezcals that you were enjoying in the end of year review? I recall that 
is you know what? Here's really quickly. I remember seeing that after I got my I got a three day ban from ba- from Facebook because I got into because uh, I called a racist a racist on Facebook, and I remember seeing that and saying, "Oh, jeez, there it is." So what 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 was your mezcal? So my mezcal was Palalma, P A L apostrophe A L M A. Palalma, and the the agave is salmiana, S A L M I A N A, and the lot is zero zero one, and there were six hundred and seventy two bottles, and I have bottle one hundred and eighty. And if you have any difficulty locating it, it is imported by our friends at Skernick. And you can always reach out to them if you're having difficulty finding it in your market or if you'd like information on which markets to find it in. Mm. But what a treat. Yeah, Palalma and Salmiana Agave. You, Joshua? Yeah, mine was, the brand is La Medita. La Medida, sorry, um, L-A-M-E-D-I-D-A. And the agave is Aroqueño, A-R-R. Aroqueño! And so it's Aroqueño, A-R-R-O-Q-U-E, and then an N with the Ñ, the little... Squiggle over the end. I think it's called an Enya. I'm with you. I'm with and you, Gringo. O. And while mine doesn't... Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the batch is M-I-A, which sounds like miss, missing in action. Oh, maybe it's mm-hmm. M-1-A. Uh, dash A-I, or A-1, I don't know. 901-U-S. And I, here's something that I love about this. On the bottle, it says directions for use. Step one, <laughs> pour mezcal la medita into glass, capita or hikara. Step two, sip slowly and attentively. Step three, fall in love. Step four, repeat. Nice. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so whomever that was, hopefully that, that helps you. And, and we, we highly recommend both of these miscalls. And again, apologies for forgetting the name. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we so are you, men of a certain age. So you had asked me what I did over the, over the new year. So I did. The last time Haida and I went out to dinner sometime in late February, early March, until New Year's Eve. And on New Year's Eve, Haida and I, for the first time since then, went out with masks on. We went to our favorite restaurant, which is in New Haven, Connecticut, called Mia's, which you know Mia's very well. I um, do. Very the, fond. The, the, the world's best and most unusual and interesting and exotic sushi uh, that you'll find, at least on this side of the hemisphere. Anyway, that day was their last day of being open for about 40 years. Now, the, the closing was planned. This isn't a COVID closing. Bun, the owner, 
just said, I think it's time to just hang up the hat and do other things with food. So there you go. So we went out and and there were maybe four seats. They had very limited seating and we were very lucky to get a table. So And that was our last night? That was their last night. Yep. Gosh. Did you shed a tear? I did. Yes. Yep. I got I got choked up. We had many celebrations there. I remember going there to to celebrate being uh, finally being divorced from my ex-wife to uh celebrating the engagement to Haida. Um, <laughs> and her birthday and other birthdays and it's just a, a a wonderful magical place and bun and bun and family they're just lovely people. Well, and if if I can add on my own memory there, the first time I came out to Connecticut to meet you mm-hmm. in the flesh when Sam Simmons, who at That's that point right. was with the Balveni, mm-hmm. the three of us went to Mia's mm-hmm. for lunch. Mm-hmm. And it was remarkable. And every time I've come to Connecticut since then, and now we are talking, you know, 10 years, 11 mm-hmm. years, every, time, every we've, time we've got, we've either dined in or we've gotten takeout. And to think of it no longer being there, no longer being an option. That's that's tough. It's real tough. At the same time, if you have been open for 40 years and you want to go and do other things, I get it. I get that. I think it's important to point out the restaurant that we're talking about is not just any restaurant. Yeah. And the yeah. owner slash chef is not just any owner slash chef. If you've ever gone to a sushi restaurant and enjoyed a sweet potato roll, you can thank Bun Lai because he's the person that invented the sweet potato roll in New Haven, Connecticut, and now it's all over the world. Um, he's he's cooked for the the Obamas and and the Obama administration at the White House. He's cooked for other dignitaries, politicians, and famous people. And this was this was his baby. This was his restaurant. His mother opened it up forty some odd years ago, and and he had the tough job of of closing up shop. So. There you go. Wow. It's, it's just amazing. When you first announced that to me, you know, I, I guess in 2019, you told me 2020 would be the last year for Mia's. Mm-hmm. We didn't know there was a pandemic coming. We didn't know that it would be an incredibly tough year for the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. The fact that he went ahead, kept it as the final year and closed up shop as scheduled is astounding absolutely astounding and uh i'm I'm definitely gonna miss it there's no doubt about it you know in in our interview today with uh susanna skyver barton you know we talk about how hard the hospitality industry was hit in 2020 and 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 so i i'm gonna leave the rest of that portion of our conversation to that recording but the last thing i want to mention about this evening uh or, or that evening that new year's eve evening we had reservations to go in, and there was a massive line outside. And we had thought, okay, wait a second. Do we have a 5 o'clock reservation, and is that just our reservation in line, and we may you know, get our oh seat at 8, p.m. We, at 8 p.m.? We just <laughs> didn't know. And what we, what we came to find out was all of those people were waiting for their takeout orders, their New Year's Eve takeout orders. Oh my goodness. 
And my my good friend Susie, Susie Frisch, was waiting for her order. She had a pickup time of 4.30 p.m., and I think her food ended up being ready somewhere around 6 or 6.30. Oh, my goodness. So it gives you an idea of, of just how popular and loved this place was. It's just, that's it. You're never going to have that again. A food that never existed before and then only existed at Mia's will now once again no longer exist again. Oh my goodness. What was it like ordering once you were inside and seated? Was your food coming out in a timely <laughs> manner? Did you also wait two hours for food? Uh, you know, the the joke, the running joke about Mia's <laughs> is mm-hmm. that you need to go with with a good three to four hours. Uh, you just you don't want to plan anything after your dinner reservation because the service there is super slow. And it's not because they're slow people. It's the, the ethos, the thought is you're there to enjoy your time, enjoy your company, enjoy the drinks. The food's going to come and it'll come to you. Anyway, with that said, there don't were... take hungry children. <laughs> don't take hungry children. No, uh, but with, with that said, there were there were two seatings. There was a five o'clock seating and a seven o'clock seating, and so we got out at around maybe six forty-five or so. Oh wow! Yeah. An hour and three-quarter turnaround. Yep. Oh wow! That's. Tickety-boo. I thought you were going to say there was a 5 o'clock seating and a 7 o'clock seating, and the 7 o'clock seating got seated at 9 p.m., <laughs> and we ate around 7 p.m. Uh, I think that sounds perfectly fine that you got an hour and three-quarter turnaround there with some drinks and some excellent sushi. and Yeah, well, cheer, here, here's cheers to Mia's, because I've enjoyed great times here with you, and I know it's very special yeah. to you and Heidi and your family. I'm sorry to see it go, but next things. Exactly. So I want to ask what you did over the new year. However, if you wouldn't mind, you know, the, the, the number one reason why we are here today is to share <laughs> our conversation with Susanna Skyver-Barton, mm-hmm. who's the uh, senior editor at Whiskey Advocate Magazine. She talks about that mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, but maybe once we come out of that conversation, you can share with people what, what you did with you and your family for the new year to celebrate. <laughs> I would I would hate for somebody to look forward to that answer because the answer is absolutely nothing, which is just the way I like it. Susanna Skyver Barton. It is an, Legend. an ab- right. Thank you. Legend. Legend. It, it is an absolute pleasure to have a whiskey legend such as you on our podcast. Thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm not sure that calling me a legend is the best way to put me at my at, at ease, but <laughs> uh, I don't know down? what I'm what I'm what the legend what what is my legend? Uh, is it the legend of how many pierogies I ate at Odessa after Jubilee a few years ago? <laughs> I'll own that. <laughs> Is it the legend of attending every single Whiskey Jubilee in New York City? Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I never went to the first one, but that wasn't in New York City, was it? No, the one it was. In, uh, were you no, the very, the very first one. The that very we first one, yeah. Fall of 2012. Well, what was the... Yeah, we but wasn't there something in... No, I wasn't there in 2012. 
Okay. The first one I went well, to was they... the one in the basement of the synagogue. Ah, that so was, that was yep. the second, second one in 2013. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't at the very yeah. Well, look at that. Jeez. That's, well, that's yeah. With, what we can say is you've been to, to every New York Jubilee with a festival bottling because oh. the first event didn't have a festival bottling. All right. Well, and I t I've definitely tasted all the festival bottlings and regretted not buying them. <laughs> oh, you don't. You, you didn't buy any of them. You're not I alone in that. I didn't buy any. I, I first of all, like the first few jubilees that I went to, I was poor, <laughs> and <laughs> that'll do it. I'm not exactly rolling in it now, but no, I, that, that's a poor excuse anyway. No, I guess I just, um, I don't know why I never bought. I, you know, by the time I got around to thinking about it, at the last couple of jubilees, all the bottlings were gone. They went like it, that. They certainly moved. Yeah, they, certainly, they moved faster yeah. and faster as they took on more of a reputation. And, 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 and I, I don't want you to think that we're like, why the hell didn't you buy our <laughs> jubilee? Yeah, like, what the some hell's going on? From Susanna, Oof, some friend, you. We had the audacity to call her a legend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll make up for it by buying the whole outturn of the next. Uh, Single cast nation. <laughs> uh, well, I heard there the right was a Tia in there, so. <laughs> yeah, the mixed release is six and a half. It's only a half release, so you picked the right one to buy all the bottles from. Oh, I apparently movie. did. All right. Well, See, I won't. I won't eat for a few weeks, but I will drink. <laughs> so let, let, there's nothing expensive. <laughs> Let me let me properly introduce you because there there may be some listeners that that don't know your name though I think they should very much know your name especially if they read Whiskey Advocate magazine right you're the senior editor for for Whiskey Advocate and that I imagine goes on to Market Watch and some of the other stuff as well Whiskey Advocate and Market Watch are my two publications that I work on at uh, at my company but whiskey advocate is the the main one where I spend most yeah. of my time. Yeah. So so for our listeners, e even if they don't recognize the name, there's a good chance they they will have read something from you, be it online or 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 in the magazine itself. Uh, yeah. I mean, if if you go to whiskeyadvocate.com and are a visitor who clicks around and reads things, or if you follow our social media accounts and click through an article every once in a while. A lot of that content comes from me. So every Friday I'm writing up new releases, which, you know, I'm just going to tout and say anyone who wants to know any new whiskey release um, that I find out about goes in there and it's most of them. So single cast nation doesn't tell me when you're releasing new things, but you can. And I will and I will share that news with with my readers. We're so bad at getting the word out about our releases. We, we, we tell our nation and then they sell out and then we go on to the next thing where that's, we need to get much better. That's, I mean, if they sell out that quickly too, you know, you don't really need, you don't need any help. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the, the reason why I would call you a legend. And I think this is in part because of the position you find yourself currently in. However, we've known you for a bit before that is you're the person who comes to my mind as someone who always has the pulse on what's going on in the industry. Yeah. In part because of the job that you occupy, but like if anyone comes to mind that says, I, I wonder if this person knows, like, <laughs> yep, Suzanne is going to know, unless, unless it's a single cast nation release. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> but if someone came to me and said, what's the latest 
at least from single cast nation, I'd just text you and say, Josh, what, what have you got right now? Or, you know, look at your website. Boom. I was thinking we don't put it on the website, but we actually do. That's the one place where we have gotten slightly better is we do at least make announcements <laughs> on our own websites. Speaking to that, having your finger on the pulse and given that we have just lived through 2020, here we are talking to you at the end of the first week in 2021. But given that you are known around New York City, you do get to go out to launches, you are seeing industry people day in and day out, you know, maybe week in and week out. What was 2020 like for you when that just all came to a, a screeching halt? It was very, very weird to begin with, right? So like March, when everything kind of slammed shut, you know, um, the gates kind of came down and we all were frozen in our homes for a couple of weeks, uh, some of us for a lot longer. Um, <laughs> yep. Everything just paused. There was, I, I think this was true in any industry, you know, um, everyone was A, holding their breath, B, watching everyone else to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. And then there were, you know, there's always a few of these people who are like, we're not going to wait around and, and, you know, they're already putting plans in motion. So even though the pandemic was not something anyone planned for outside of public health, um, you know, there's, there's always, I, I think people who are very agile and ready to spring into action and just, pivot and, and turn on a dime. And um, mm -hmm. the whiskey industry is not necessarily those people. You know, I, I think of its mm -hmm. nature, the whiskey industry is, is more conservative and more cautious. You know, we obviously wait a long time for whiskey to age. That's just sort of the culture. Yeah. So there were, there were a period, there was a period of a, a few weeks, even a few months where there wasn't a lot going on. And I, I said at the beginning of the show, like I write about the new releases every week. That's like the first thing that comes. I write a lot of other stuff too, but like that's my every single Friday that comes out. So that's a huge part of just like mm. occupies my mind space of keeping track of what's going on. And there were just a lot of new releases that didn't come out, um, mm. you know, that I expected to see a lot more sort of April and May kind of leading into um, summer and yeah. summer, there's a little bit of a lull until about end of July and August. And, um, and you know, I mean, there's always some new releases, but there were a lot of companies that decided we're going to, we're going to hold back on this important new expression or this, you know, flagship thing. I think yeah. out of respect for the struggles people are having and particularly because bars and restaurants were all so severely, um, impacted. And, and I think yeah. that that actually is continuing, um, even, even now because the bar and, and restaurant industry is still really just outside of maybe live theater and music venues. You know, I think that that hospitality has been the hardest hit industry in this whole pandemic. And, um, so I, you know, I've, I've actually heard, I was talking to, to Fred No yesterday and he said, uh, you know, we were talking about Legion, which is this, um, you know, finished mm. bourbon with uh, Japanese blending techniques that Beam Centauri released um, a couple years ago. And he was saying, we wanted to release mm -hmm. some new expressions in the Legion line, but, um, but we, we've not done that because the Legion is such an on-premise 
brand and our bar, mm. you know, our bar partners yeah. and our, yeah. you know, bartenders and friends are, are really on, you know, a lot of them are out of work. A lot of bars have closed. And so Jim Beam is, is sort of holding that back. You know, it's obviously self-interested, but also mm-hmm. they, they care about the industry that supports them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you see it? I, I know for, for me and in, in talking to Josh for him as well, where as February became March, March became April, he and I started removing trips from our calendar. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, mid-March isn't going to work. We said at the beginning of March, the end of March isn't going to work at the middle of March. That just kept going until we eventually said, this is a six-month thing. Did you see any planned launches? Had had you been invited to any things that some of them just started shutting down? Could you tell that this was starting to domino through the industry? I don't take press trips, so there was nothing like that that, that I noticed. But mm-hmm. certainly events that were on my calendar got canceled. You know, whiskey fests were postponed and then canceled. Mm-hmm. Um you know, right. meetings. Yeah. I mean, I had to email Josh and say, I'm sorry, Josh, I'm going to have to cancel the meeting with Tomer Gorin of uh, M&H Distillery, who was going to be in New York. And I was mm-hmm. so excited for that meeting because I, you know, really liked the whiskey, had never met yeah. a distiller from Israel before, you know, was really pumped about it. And mm-hmm. that never happened. Although I really hope we can make it happen, even if it's virtual someday. Um, that's, that's a, that's a good idea. I mean, a, I love bringing suppliers here to the states, and bringing them to see you is 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 has always been a treat. And I remember that call, and I I was waiting for it. Uh, you know, you canceling that, this person canceling this. It was just like Jason said, this big domino. Yeah, and it did feel for a while like it was going to be. Well, let's check back in, you know, in a in a month or six weeks. Yeah. And but I, my husband is a is a doctor. He is he works in oncology. He's a radiation oncologist. So not really something that's anywhere at the heart of, you know, the uh, ER docs and um, you know emergency mm-hmm. medicine docs and 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 ICU and hospitalists and things. But I remember the sort of at the very beginning when New York City was like, okay, bars and restaurants are closed. Things are shutting down. You know, he, he looked at me and, and he was like, well, you know, this is not going to be two weeks. He didn't mm-hmm. think it was going to, to go on this long. You know, we were looking at like an international trip yeah. in November. He was like, I think by then, you know, things will, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's going to be great contact tracing and people will be, you know, there'll be good precautions. And no, of course it's, we won't get into the failure of public health that this pandemic has been, but, um, you know, I think I knew pretty early on that this was going to be a lot bigger than, than some people were, were acting like, I think people were hopeful, but, um, without, you know, eventually the, the reality came home to roost for most of us. (laughs) So how did 2020 continue for you then? What kind of maneuvers were you making to, you know, you're seeing the new releases being affected. You're seeing the in-person launches being affected. But, you know, in hindsight, we now know you still had three quarters of a year ahead of you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be so uncouth as to ask you, 
what did you do with your time for the quarters of a year, Susanna? Um, but what did you do with your time for the quarters of a year, Susanna? I, I mean, my time was, was, it's not like I had a lot of extra time, right? Because learning to adapt, yeah. how to work in this new environment, how to, how to reach out to people, um, and actually, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're recording this and I see you guys on Zoom and like, this is the first time I've seen your faces in any capacity, you know, in, in probably a year, uh, maybe mm-hmm. over a year. Mm-hmm. And um, it feels very normal now. But yeah, in March, it was not. So there was yeah. a lot of learning. What is what is Zoom? And also, can we use this technology for our usual you know, go- things that we need to do and, and meetings or team goals or whatever. And, and early on at Whiskey Advocate, we had just come off of publishing an issue about whiskey clubs and enjoying whiskey with friends. Uh. <laughs> and we were really focusing on, you know, here's, here are all these great ways you can enjoy whiskey with friends and start your own club. And then suddenly it was like, well, no, we're not supposed to be with people now. So what do we do? And and we had to yep. adapt. I spent I just spent a lot of time looking at like okay I've got all, all these this great content but how do I how do I share it with people and how how do I help make an environment for other whiskey drinkers and whiskey lovers that fosters the things that I love about our community in mm-hmm. a safe way? Mm-hmm. How, you know, is virtual drinking with friends the same as gathering in person and passing bottles around no but can we can we approximate something can we find a different level of enjoyment or a different way in to that feeling of that 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 feeling of happiness and comfort Mm -hmm. you know that I get when I'm in a room with half a dozen of my friends and we're all just have our noses in a glass and are spitting tasting notes back and forth at each other and, and, you know, bullshitting each other and making jokes at people's expense Um, (laughs) (laughs) and learning how to do that. I feel like took a lot of time and I'm still learning how to do it. It's still, I don't know what it's going to feel like when this is all over and we can go back to being in a room with more than our spouses and children and be passing glasses back. I mean, we may never pass a glass back and forth again. Yep. Exactly. You know, I, I, whether it's you or, or anybody you talk to, we all use this term when it's over or when things get back to normal. And, you know, there's, Ida said it just the other week. She said, what if handshakes go away? That'd be weird. Yep. Right? There, there's certain things natural contact is something as simple as a handshake that you doubt it will ever return again. And sharing glasses by comparison in today's world seems like something we may never see again, at least not in a goddamn, (laughs) (laughs) not anytime soon. Yeah. I keep going back to, you know, being at the Bon Accord with Jess and Sweet Scott and, and other friends going to the bar to buy six different drams and taking them back to the table and just everybody passes those six back and forth. You have that conversation mm-hmm. around it. You know, you, you have your cherished community around it. It's, if it does come back, it will not be coming back for a while. Yeah. Um, I, and it's kind of weird because I look back at the practice and what did we always joke about? Well, it's all cask strength, right? 
It, it's all cleansing itself <laughs> as you're drinking it, you know. <laughs> Next we'll be talking about herd immunity from whiskey glasses. So. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as the I'll wife of a doctor, I, unfortunately, I've never gotten to labor under that delusion because he always <laughs> reminds me that uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's definitely not how it works. The lies we happily tell ourselves. <laughs> Just, just as, just as citizen, and I want to get back to whiskey really quickly, but, but Susanna, you said a term, and then Jason, you said a term, and these were two terms that I had either not thought of in a while, or have never heard until all of this. Terms like contact tracing, I wish I <laughs> never had to know about. Herd immunity, I wish I never had to know about. Social, like. All of these terms that are now as commonplace as as Kleenex and Band-Aid <laughs> will never unknow these terms. Unfortunately, right? we will not. Uh, yeah. Well, sounds like Joshua's arguing for ignorance is bliss, but I doubt he's saying <laughs> that. I really doubt he's saying that. Not, not outright, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, well, we wouldn't know, right? Because we're not ignorant people. And bliss is not she only said, ignorance. winking at one of us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, so the world has officially changed. And, you know, hopefully we will get to some degree of, of normalcy or, or to a level where, where we're beyond this, right? Where we're just at a comfortable level being together at a table somewhere. But... From your perspective, do you see the potential of this becoming a hybrid or an inevitability of this becoming a hybrid? What, just like the virtual interactions that we the, now the, have? Yeah, you know, let, let, let's say we get to a world where we can go to bars, where we can shake hands, you know, is this, is this going away? Is this now just part of our living? Uh, yeah, it's definitely... In whiskey? It, yes, in whiskey yeah. and in everything. I think I think there have been a lot of good things to come out of the, the switch to everyone uh, being remote and using virtual tools to stay in touch. Um, it allows people to live perhaps in cheaper places but still have jobs <laughs> that are based in more expensive locations. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, it allows... Uh, something that might have been an expensive trip to now be a, a free video meeting. And that, you know, yeah. saves money and cuts down on carbon emissions. You know, so I, I, I see this, I definitely see this as being, it will be a hybrid. I don't, mm -hmm. I think for the whiskey industry, as far as actually connecting with whiskey drinkers and, um, you know, if you're doing sales, connecting with buyers, that stuff's still going to happen in person, largely. But there is now an opportunity, for example, if you're a distiller in Tel Aviv and you want to reach an audience in Portland, Oregon, well, you don't have to travel yeah. halfway around the world to do it now. You, yep. you, I, people... The, you didn't have to do that before either, but the widespread <laughs> acceptance of these platforms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I think brands and whiskey clubs have done an amazing job of showing that it's possible to get sample bottles into people's mailboxes, you know, or 
it's possible, you know, to coordinate so everyone has the same whiskeys in front of them while they're tasting and discussing. That's that's mm. still going to be happening, and I think that that's actually a really great thing because it it broadens our world. I I I don't have any kids, but I imagine that if and when I do it's going to be really hard for me to like get out of the house of an evening for a couple of hours to go enjoy some whiskey with my <laughs> friends, you know, at, at the bar yeah. at someone's place. But if there were an opportunity to dram together for an hour or two while I just sit in front of my computer, then I'm still going to enjoy something, you know, some nice fellowship with people uh, rather than, than mm. be isolated. So I, I, I see I see this as really a positive thing for access to the whiskey world, access to the people who make it, access to other whiskey lovers. I mean, this was already building anyway. You see whiskey communities on social media and on yeah. Reddit and, you know, around podcasts like this um, with Facebook yep. groups. And so, the you know, COVID just... I'm trying to think of the right metaphor. I was going to say just pushed everyone off the side of the cliff. But it kind of did. Like, we all... We were running and running with our with our little hang glider, running and running, and suddenly, like COVID was the gust of wind that that pushed us all the way off. And now, mm. now we're we're navigating our way through um, this new landscape of the sky. And I think I think a, a lot of people are figuring it out and finding some really cool solutions and and cool ways of continuing to enjoy whiskey, even in relative isolation. And that's one of the key terms for me is this figuring it out. You know, did people want to learn a new technology for embracing whiskey and enjoying whiskey? <laughs> no, they didn't. They wanted to go to their local events, go to their local yeah. you know, festival or travel to a festival. You know, you mentioned it way back in the beginning of our conversation here, where this kind of traditional nature of our industry where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And COVID came along and broke it. And mm -hmm. we very quickly fixed it. And and again, people who wouldn't necessarily want to be in a Zoom tasting are now in Zoom tastings and have figured out the technology and understand to click through on the link and know how to sign in. It's not overly complicated. You just need to do it. And, and it has been interesting, the number of people that have taken that on board Another point from what you were just saying and, and thinking about Tal and Tomer, where you're, you're spot on, you know, you can be in Tel Aviv working your distillery during the day. You can be in Portland, Oregon that night, but then you can be in Sydney, Australia the following night. You can be in Hong Kong the night after that. You can be in London the night after that. The, the globe has a potential to absolutely shrink with this newfound use of technology and I think that can only be good for people who are trying to get a foothold uh, within the industry. I could, and I think it yeah. could could be an exciting time. Yes. I, I do want to be clear. I don't think that these virtual events or tastings are in any way going to replace or have yeah. replaced what one gets out of uh, an in-person event. But they're different. They've given us another option and another layer. And both of those things can coexist. And, I, and yeah, it, it just keep coming back. It just, I keep coming back to the idea of access, you know, for people who, for whom it is difficult to get out of their house or people who 
maybe have social anxiety, but feel more comfortable in a digital set. I mean, there's just the whiskey world has a real problem with gatekeeping. I don't mm-hmm. think that it's a, I don't think every, you know, I don't think most people in who love whiskey are gatekeepers, but there's enough um, sort of gatekeepers with loud voices that it, it has scared people away or made, made people mm-hmm. think, well, this probably isn't for me because I don't look like that or that's not what I think or, you know, I don't fit in. And virtual tools, I think, are, are one way to reduce that a little bit. You can still gatekeep with, <laughs> with Zoom events, but, um, yep. but it just opens yeah. a, little bit, a, a few more entry points. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and to most other guests, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't ask this question. I wouldn't travel down the route I'm about to travel down, <laughs> but you're a friend, and, and so I'm, I'm going to do this. Do you think that this new COVID life and this new COVID, how, how COVID has forced us to interact, you know, for, from the perspective of whiskey, right? Do you think that it's in any way afforded women better access to whiskey than they previously had? Are there any silver linings from the perspective of of women getting into whiskey or women trying to be a part of whiskey? Because I think your point is a very good one. I think one of the, the, the oldest gatekeepers to whiskey is that it's, it's a men's club, right? It's, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing for people to get into if you're not necessarily a woman or maybe your skin is darker, <laughs> you know? It's, it's, we're thankfully evolving as, as a people, and I'm just wondering if you've seen any improvements to access to whiskey from a, from a woman's perspective because of online tools like Zoom and things like that? I can't really say that I have. I haven't really been looking yeah. either. Mm. The things that I've seen recently that I think are making steps to uh, not gatekeep whiskey against women or against people of color probably did accelerate in 2020. Mm. But... I think that is more due to there being a national conversation about uh, well, there's that. <laughs> all, yeah. all, all of the um, obviously much bigger, broader, much more uh, serious issues of quote unquote gatekeeping mm-hmm. or discriminating against or being racist towards black people and people of color mm-hmm. um, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, it does, I, it's not because of the pandemic, although I do think that some of the anti-racism and anti-police violence movements that we saw this year were heightened because of the tension of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure. I think grabbed national attention, national white people's attention in a way that even though, you know, that even in, in the last seven, eight years, um, even though the... <laughs> these protests have been happening again and again. I think 2020 was, was a, a real landmark year perhaps for black lives matter and and the anti um, police violence and anti white supremacy movement. So uh, where was I going with this except to say there's been, there's been so much more awareness of that that has permeated the, the whiskey world because it's Mm -hmm. permeated everybody's world who's paying attention. And, um, 
has started conversations and has started, you know, I think people really, um, some, some people uh, understanding in a new way how they perhaps have been complicit in, in gatekeeping or in not, and it may be not even gatekeeping, but not actively making our whiskey community a welcoming place and a safe place. Because you can, you can be mm-hmm. not a person who's saying, get out, you don't belong here, you know, this is, not, this is only for me and people who look like me. You can disavow that and still not actually do anything to change the conditions. But you can disavow yes. that and then you can say, wait a minute, what can I do to fix this problem? First disavow the, the people who are saying to someone else, you don't belong here, this isn't for you. Second, look to your own spaces, look to what's in your control to, to make your club, your event, your bar, your liquor store, you know, to make these places actively welcoming. I sat in on a panel at a trade show one time where, um, and it was about diversity and inclusion in the spirits industry. And um, Maggie from Privateer Rum was sitting mm. on the panel. She's amazing. She, mm. she said, one thing that we do is, is put in our job postings, you know, some language about we, we actively uh, welcome applicants who are LGBTQ, who are differently able, you know, kind of listing all the, just things you don't have to put in a job posting. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they do or don't open you to um, lawsuits. I'm not really sure. You know, there's lots of fraught language around that. But, but saying like, we actively tell people, if, mm-hmm. you, if you belong to, if you identify with uh, a group that has been marginalized, that has been discriminated against, you don't have to worry about that with us. We want you to know that it, you know, you are, yeah. we are welcoming to, to, and, and open to, you know, everybody. And I've thought about that a lot. It's like, there are a lot of places that say, well, we don't discriminate based on anything, but there's a difference thing between saying we don't discriminate and saying we welcome you. We welcome women. We welcome people yeah. of color. We welcome disabled people. We welcome, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z. I think there's a big difference. It's like I, I belong to a church and on the side of the church is a big sign with a pride flag, you know, that says we, you're welcome here because that has to be said in a place like a church. There have been a lot of churches that aren't welcoming to um, LGBTQ people and there are, and there still are, but our mm-hmm. church does welcome them and actively welcomes them. And I'm like, how can we do that in whiskey? What, where is our sign that says, you're welcome here. We want you here. Yeah. Please come join us. Yeah, well said, Susanna. Very well said. Very well said. I don't say this because I want to toot <laughs> Jason's horn or my horn. Um, but, you know, it was, it was important to us back in 2012 when we started the Jubilee that we didn't allow models of any sort because we, we wanted our event to be inclusive, to, to feel that anybody can go. And if, you know, I, I don't, we don't blame women who, who want those jobs, right? That's good money coming in for them, and, that, and that's fine. But we said, you know, there's not going to be models, male or female, at the Jubilee. 
and that everybody behind the table needs to be educated about the brand. And that was because we, we wanted that level of, of equality, that just everybody's coming here on an even yeah. playing. I always liked that about Jubilee. The way uh, I think you framed it to me when, when you explained it um, was we want people behind the booth who know the whiskey well and can answer questions about it. And like mm -hmm. my experience with, with models at, mm -hmm. you know, whiskey events or spirits events is that they're there to tell you about the specific product. They know a very little, like they got a little bullet point briefing about it before, um, you know, they, the, the event started and they're very nice and polite and, you know, great, to, great at pouring and we'll give you some more, but, but they can't tell you about mm -hmm. the maturation period or <laughs> answer questions about the yeast. And at Jubilee, that was always great because the people behind the booths were, were either the distillers or blenders. Maybe they were the importers. Maybe they were the local sales rep, but they knew the product backwards and forwards. And, and I never asked somebody a question that, and they, and they said, well, I'm not sure, which, which to me made Jubilee such a great event because for a whiskey nerd who is excited to try things and, and learn about them, to have access to a person who can answer all those questions, you know, things that aren't on the website or aren't available, you know, through, unless you find a really great blogger or something, it, it was great. One thing that did come yeah. to mind as you were talking that I, I do want to bring up because I think it is important. It's another dimension to this idea of making whiskey spaces safe and welcoming for people is the idea of um, codes of conduct. And I hate, I hate that I have to bring this up, but hmm. I've been at events, most events I have been at, whiskey events, where I've witnessed or been subject to sexual harassment. You know, it's because all it takes is one, one crappy person mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. a jerk and... Mm -hmm. um, it, it could be, it could be anything, it could be as, as small as just uh, mansplaining something, you know, or, or as serious as assault. Uh, and, and I know every woman that I know wow. who works or is close in, you know, closely within the whiskey industry has experienced something like this at least once, probably multiple times. And I was, this, this came up for me, I was at an event in another state and it involved, you know, like busing people back and forth to a site because they were drinking, which was good. That was nice and safe. But on the bus, you know, there was, there, there were a couple of men who were really intoxicated and were really harassing me. Mm. And another woman had to speak up and tell them mm. to leave me alone. I was trying to, you know, hold my own, but being in that, you know, I could, there was nowhere I could go. Yeah. And, um, there, you know, there's, I'm a little, I'm a little woman. And how do you shut down a, a burly drunk man, you know, on a bus speeding yeah. down the highway? So I said That's to horrible. the event organizers afterwards, I said, look, you really need to have a code of conduct for this. Because when people are, when people are mixing with alcohol, some people are not going to behave well. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think the alcohol makes them do it. I, th <laughs> I think mm -hmm. it's already there and the alcohol makes it easier. Um, but, that, but that thing. is, that's exactly. a, that to me, that's like exactly. a small thing. Everyone has to read a, a little code of conduct and agree to it before they start the event. And, um, 
it's a, it's a small thing, but I think it would be a really meaningful thing for, I was a woman alone there, right? And most people were there with their spouse or friends. I wasn't. And if, if there were another, you know, woman, I mean, if there hadn't been another woman there to speak up on my behalf, what would have happened? Who knows? You know, and I, I, I'm not intimidated easily, but it's not a fun situation to be in either. So something even as small as that, you know, just making it clear that if you're attending our event, you know, our expectation is that you're going to treat everyone with respect. And if you don't, you get ejected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. It should go without saying, but unfortunately it it does have to be said to some people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. I, I learned a long time ago as a, as a young, a young man finding his way in, in Scotland with alcohol, that alcohol doesn't change who you are. Alcohol frees you to be who you are. And and any time we say the alcohol made him do it, it's a get out of jail free card yeah. that we should not be awarding people. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great industry to be in. We do of course surround ourselves with alcohol. And alcohol does put you in a, in a certain place. And we, we all need to be much more careful. But I think even more than that, we need to be much more aware. And we need to be, and this is a word you were using earlier, we need to be active participants in making this safer and more inclusive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah. that's the other thing, too. A woman spoke up on my behalf, right? But where there were, I was surrounded by other people, mostly yeah. men, who... Yeah. They were. All, they could all hear what was happening and see what was happening. And and when it comes to sexual harassment yeah. in the whiskey industry, women need men to to speak with us. You know, give yep. and stand yep. with us and call out other mm-hmm. men yep. when you see that that bad behavior or even you know, even if it's just an off color joke. I mean, just say that's not cool. Why, you know, that even off, yep. enough off-color jokes yeah. create an environment that just freezes out the, the people who don't find them funny. Let's just say that. Yep. Exactly. There, there's no need to be telling off-color jokes at someone else's expense when that someone else is right there in the room. Don't even tell it when they're not in the room. I mean... <laughs> that goes without saying, right? Both go, both go without selling. My, my point is... As soon as you put the alcohol in, you think that it's okay, and you think that that person that you're, you, you or that group of people you're telling an off-color joke about say, "Ah, he's fine. He's just having a drink." You know what I mean? No, you just don't say it. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it, it really it compounds, I think, for women because a lot of us are not comfortable speaking up in a group full of men and saying that's not cool. You know, I, I'm. This is not victim blaming. Uh, I'm not saying it is women's fault. It isn't. But that, especially women who have been gaslit again and again, when they have spoken up and say it and said, that's, that's an offensive joke. Like, don't say that. And men just say, oh, it's just joking. It's just a joke. You right, know, I mean, right, how many right. times has that happened to me in my life with or without whiskey, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I just, there needs to be allyship for women, for people of color for, you know, anyone for whom the, the whiskey world hasn't traditionally been actively welcoming. Mm-hmm. And that's most people who are not 
men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we bring up Mike Barbiglia uh, a fair little bit in the podcast, and his his special "Thank God for Jokes" is an excellent, excellent special. And one of the great lines he's got in there is, "If you have to say I was joking, you haven't really been successful." And and you've really just used it as carte blanche to say whatever it was you really wanted to say. Um, And and I've thought about that a lot. And and now that I live, you know, my eldest is now 13. There's a lot of things he says that just are not successful. And he invariably says, I was joking. And it's become (laughs) that in itself has now become a running joke within the house. You know, say something that fails. I was joking. So we, we need to be aware of, of having to add the caveat. It yeah, has failed. Don't a 13-year-old like gets a lot of passes because they're learning how to, how to be a person. And, uh, yeah. and that takes a lot of making mistakes. And, and I'm not, this is not to say, like, if you make one offensive joke, you're canceled. It's just have some awareness. And if someone calls you out on it, maybe take a beat and think, oh, maybe it it was offensive. And then if you have it within you, say, you know what, you're right. I'm really sorry. I will not make that joke again. Please accept my apologies. That's just maturity. And no one likes to be called out, but like we should all strive to be more mature about it when we are. Yeah, I I don't think we should ever stop growing and maturing and learning it just as, as a person. Yeah. As people's. Well, and it's the comment that we've, that we've discussed and we've, we've received input from listeners as well is, you know, we, we make no qualms about being a, a whiskey podcast with dick jokes. Right. <laughs> and then, right. And then the, que- the question becomes, you know, are, are, are dick jokes welcoming, you know, and, and it's been interesting because some of the feedback has been, well, just do good dick jokes. The question <laughs> is, well, are, are there good dick jokes, right? And, and it's, so we're, we're having that internal conversation as well. The, the other one that, that I often think about is the as we stand in front of a room doing a whiskey presentation, part of it is whiskey knowledge, but part of it is engagement, and a little bit of it is stand-up comedy. And there's that part where people will learn when they're having a good time and they're, you know, they're enjoying your presentation Mm -hmm. and it's sometimes all too easy and all too tempting to make the off color joke because you'll know you'll get a response from it. You know, you'll get engagement within the room. You know, you'll get a chuckle. You'll know you'll get the trigger that says people are having a good time, but the, the, the kind of the internal part for me that I'm trying to, you know, reflect back on, on my own presentations is, but if I have success doing that, who's no, who's no longer having a good time, right? And mm-hmm. that's as important as the people who are audibly laughing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, I, you know, I, I don't know if you've noticed during this conversation or, or in the time of our friendship, but I have a, an accent, Susanna. <laughs> and it's, it's an accent that lets me away with a lot of things. And I, I need to be careful that I use the accent for good and not for evil. And so, you know, You're I... You're describing a I, superpower, Jason. <laughs> dude, it kind of is. Dude, dude I, I, in, in talking with friends here, 
it is a superpower. It really is. I can walk into any situation and have immediate placement and immediate comfort because people go, God, that's that's cool. That's so cool. Wait, wait. I, I want to hear it in, a, like in you. your American accent. How do people? I, what do no, people say? No, no. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm, no, it, it ends. No, it's no. Come on. No, just once. Uh, just once. No. The, the only thing I tried to do in my head is Maryland, Maryland. 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 Like, how would you say as a, as a as a Scotsman? How would you say Maryland? It? Yeah, the no, state, the good no state of Maryland. Maryland, yep. Maryland? good state of Maryland. Yep, yep. Because we don't unhinge our jaw. You got to unhinge your jaw to get to Maryland, right? You got to really drop your jaw, Maryland. Wow, this and is very. My jaw's linguistic. too tight for that. See? <laughs> you unhinge that, your jaw. I said it's very linguistic. You unhinge your jaw every day when you eat a sandwich or yawn. <laughs> No, you should. I cut my sandwiches into small bites. Mm. That's how I do it. That's that's how we do it in Scotland. It's just when he eats toads. That's that's when he unhinges his jaw. It's just for the toads that he eats. <laughs> antelope. I have to unhinge my jaw to eat antelope. An entire that's, antelope. That's the only time I unhinge my jaw. But but no. So so here's my takeaways, and I want to I want to bring us back around to to whiskey and the liquid and the. You know that 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 kind of wonderful amber nectar that we all enjoy. But but my my takeaway in, in listening to you, Susanna, is is that active participation in making the change. And I I love hearing that. And mm-hmm. you know I, I'm 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 doing my best. Joshua is way behind me, uh, but he is doing his best <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's an on, I mean, it's a journey, right? It's ongoing and yeah. it will never yeah, yeah, stop because no we're one is, yeah, no one is ever going to be perfectly perfect at anything. Um, but having an awareness that it's something that, I, you know, we need to do. And certainly you guys are leaders in the industry. You have product to sell, but also you are, you know, you, you have something to give beyond just selling bottles. You have your thought leaders, if I can use that term, wow. um, wow. you know, it, it's, it's an obligation. It's one of the responsibilities that comes yeah. with that position. And so just being aware that that's a responsibility you have and constantly mm-hmm. checking yourself and saying, is this, you know, am I, sh- can I do more? Can I do better? Should I change this? Mm-hmm. Is something I can tweak? We're going to, we're going to get there slowly but surely but also listen you know listening listening to people listening to feedback from event attendees um listening to feedback from people who didn't come to your event maybe about why uh Mm -hmm. you know and just and talk and talking to all kinds of all kinds of whiskey people and just listening um to what they say and asking you know if if you're in a position to do so sure uh brilliant brilliant thank you yeah we you know Nobody could see us, but on on the video, as as Susanna was giving us very nice compliments, um, <laughs> we were looking around the room for who she was talking about. But but absolutely obligation, absolutely. Regardless of how we describe ourselves or think of ourselves, we have obligations, and and we we have to rise to those obligations. Mm-hmm. And I think the ones who do stand out. Sorry, you were about to ask a question. I'm just going to, I want to celebrate that there are a lot of companies, individuals, mm-hmm. uh, brands in this industry 
that are trying to do this and and Mm -hmm. to varying degrees of success. But like, I see the ones who are trying and I see the ones who clearly aren't and, uh, it doesn't escape my notice and it, and, and it's not like, I don't know, changing what I, what I like to drink. I'm going to drink what I like, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I do think that, that this is something that our industry, uh, on the supplier side is, is aware of and Mm -hmm. working on. I don't know that it has necessarily trickled down to, let's say, the other two tiers, but suppliers, brands, distillers, blenders, like they're paying attention. A lot of them are, are making efforts and taking steps and, you know, um, good, good for them. I, I'm excited. I hope, hope to see a lot more. It's so nice to hear you say that because, as I said earlier on, you are someone who, who has their finger on the pulse. And so it's so nice hearing you say you're seeing this more you're seeing it at least on the one tier whether it's the producer or the importer that 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 makes me happy and it gives me hope that in this one case trickle down economics may work (laughs) you know um we'll uh, we'll see the three the (laughs) three-tier system of the united states is not exactly uh free market capitalism so well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the truth and so so with all that said and as we cast our mind uh, back to the liquid that, that we all enjoy together when you cast your mind back to 2020 which which pours stand out to you mm. uh, what was memorable on a whiskey uh, front in 2020 <sighs> Man, this is, <laughs> it's hard because I, I drink a lot of whiskey. I taste a lot of yes. whiskey. Yeah. And, um, That's what your parents tell us. <laughs> they, they don't know that half of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and they've said so much already. <laughs> um, I, you know, as far as what has stood out, I'm going to take the easy route and say like the things that I turned to this year were comfort whiskeys. Mm, um, there were, there, there did end up being a lot of new releases. I mean, the fall is always a packed season. There were a ton this year and there were some real, I mean, lots of notable ones. I loved wild Turkey rare breed rye, um, yes. that, that came out. Absolutely love it. Just a masterwork. Mm. I mean, anything in whiskey advocates top 20, I, you know, you mm-hmm. can count on sure. me. Like it has my actual, stamp of approval and also like I'm gonna say it here like I like all those whiskeys and I love a lot of them nice but but what I was drinking especially in the early days of this pandemic I was drinking oh I was drinking a lot of beer because that's my comfort beverage but interesting uh but I was drinking a lot of single malt scotch because that's my that's my comfort whiskey that's what I came to whiskey through and that's what I'm drinking right now. I have Bunahaven 18 in my glass. It's a, a bottle I've had for a really long time because I only drink it on special occasions. Um, uh-huh. like this I'm one. reading between the lines on that comment. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, when I, when I have something like, like Bunahaven 18 brings back memories for me of when I lived in Scotland. I actually bought the bottle. It's a nice liter bottle that I bought at Royal Mile Whiskeys in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's why it's lasted so long. (laughs) Um, and that makes me think of a a time that was less stressful and less fraught. Um, and that where I was right at the beginning of my whiskey journey 
and everything was exciting and I didn't feel cynical about any of it. Um, <laughs> and I need those reminders sometimes because yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, especially now that 2020 is behind us, like I feel cynical about a lot of things. Uh, and I, you know, having been so close to this industry for so long, I, I've, I've developed a hard shell of cynicism and going back to the things that made me fall in love with whiskey to begin with helped me. Are you me trying to tell feel... me what? Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, you, you mentioned now that 2020 is behind us. I thought we were in December 40th, <laughs> personally. But uh, I, I'm sorry, I, 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 I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I want you to continue, but I want you to know, too, that everything that you're saying, I completely identify with. I, like you, went to drinking the things that comforted me. So please continue. I'm sorry that I interrupted, but you said end of 2020, and I keep on having to remind myself that it is 2021. I think I, I was <sighs> I think I was rambling, but the the point no. I, the point I'm I'm trying to get to is that there wasn't a single standout whiskey for me this year. It was such a topsy turvy year that I can't really light on you know my my favorite mm. five pours maybe. Um, no, and, and that's, yeah, I, I just, in casting your mind back, I was curious if there was something that, you know, and the reason that I didn't want to give you a pause to think about the answer is because I wanted you to be like, well, I can't help but think <laughs> of X. Mm. At the same time, if you ask me what was my favorite whiskey yesterday, I'm going to be like, what was yesterday? <laughs> um, like, and then, we, you know, we're nine days into 2021. Asking about 2020 is like asking you, what was your favorite whiskey in 2014? I, like, <laughs> I believe 2014 happened, but I don't necessarily remember any of my pours. For the benefit of our listeners, um, where and when were you living in Scotland? I lived in Scotland in 2011 and 2012, so almost a decade now. And um, I lived in Edinburgh and I moved there uh, to do a master's degree in religion. And hmm. uh, while I was studying one kind of Holy Spirit, I was also studying <laughs> another kind of spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a great, uh, I think, endorsement of both the new college, the, the School of Theology where I was studying at the University of Edinburgh, and the university's Water of Life Society. I think it's a great mm-hmm. endorsement that about 30 to 40% of the members of the society were also students at the school of theology. So there's something about uh, being immersed <laughs> in like religion talk all day and the Bible uh, that drives us to drink. Um, we all had a bottle or two on our desks, you know, in the, when we were typing up our theses and, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I so I I decided at the end of that year that further study was not needed in in the academic world, but it was most definitely needed in the whiskey world. Was your time in Edinburgh the spark for your love affair with with single malt scotch for whiskey in general, or had it started before that? Uh, no, it was definitely the time in Edinburgh. I had I had had whiskey before that. I my then fiance, you know, and when I was in Edinburgh, husband, um, 
he was sort of getting into whiskey. And so I got in, mm. into it alongside him and I bought bottles. I remember a very meaningful um, tasting at Bottle Rocket near Union Square, where uh, Robin Robinson, a a wonderful person we all know, was Mm -hmm. pouring Compass Box. And um, it was Halloween, so it was like pear spirits with treats. And uh, it was, I'm going to say, oak cross paired with caramel corn. And um, and I was like, oh, this whiskey is really good. Okay, I'm going to buy a bottle, you know, and and I gave it to my to Sanjay for whatever Christmas or his birthday or something. So I had, you know, I had had some whiskey. My first experience with Scotch whiskey was actually it was in Scotland. I was visiting my friend who had studied abroad at my university. And so the next year I went to to visit her in Edinburgh and her father poured. He was going to pour me three different scotches and he started me with famous Mm -hmm. grouse. And I tasted it and I said, I don't think I need to have any more. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with my, uh, my Bulmer's wow. cider. Um, but by the time I got to Edinburgh, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to be here. Like Scotland seems really cool. I'm going to do some Scot. Yeah, I'm going to join some clubs and like do some Scottish things this year while I'm here. So I joined the mm-hmm. Scottish Country Dancing Society and, uh, and I joined the Water of Life Society. And country dancing lasted for, like, I probably went to five or six meetings tops. It was fun, but, you know, like, eh. uh, and the Whiskey Society, I was just, like, all in from the very first tasting. The first one was free, but even after you signed up and had to become a paying member, it was, like, 10 pounds for the year to be a member. And then each tasting was, like, five or six pounds for five or six whiskeys. And, um... Oh, it's just, uh, just, it was amazing. And the thing that was great about it wasn't just that the whiskey tasted great and I was learning something every week, but that the people were so great. I mean, you want to talk about making a welcoming atmosphere. College clubs, unless it's like the college Republicans, are pretty freaking welcoming. (laughs) Um, you know, they'll take anybody because college students are, you know, they're pretty interested in other people. Um, and they haven't yeah. Yeah. gotten as jaded as adults end up being. Do you remember the first whiskey that, that captured your attention? That- well, the first one that really captured my attention was the Freud, 10-year-old, because the first tasting was Regions. Exactly mine. <laughs> exactly and I was like, I tasted mine. the Laphroaig came last, and I was like, I don't know if I can do Pete. Hmm. But in that same tasting, mm-hmm. I had Belveni Doublewood. And I was like, wow, ah. this tastes great. Mm-hmm. I know I like this one. And um, I, I had been in Scotland for about a month before my husband joined me. And yeah. he came and I was like, you got it. We're, you're joining the whiskey club too. <laughs> and, um, and it was a one, you know, this is just like a wonderful, it was our first year of marriage. I was doing my dream of a master's degree. Edinburgh is literally the most magical city you can live in. Like it's spooky and haunted and weird. It's the birthplace of Harry Potter. Um, and then whiskey. It yeah. couldn't get better than that. That's, that's a good looking bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> the drawback was like how drafty and cold my apartment was, but I'll, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that as much as I remember the whiskey and the friends. Yeah. So you didn't uh, love Lafroig from the get-go, but did you learn to to appreciate the peatier whiskeys while you were in Edinburgh, or, or 
then you came back to the U.S. and you started exploring more. No, I think by the by the end of the year that I spent there, I was it might not have been like maybe the first thing I tried, but I was so eager to try everything mm. and taste everything. And um, I don't recall it taking very long to adapt to peated whiskey. I've never turned down a peated whiskey. You know, like the Laphroaig was uh, really threw me for a loop. But I said, hey, this is a new taste. This is a new experience. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say no to this. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just wanted to be open to everything. And uh, I, it, I don't remember it taking very long. I think I was slugging back, you know, Bowmore at a... The, the, the last whiskey festival I went to when I lived there and probably the second best in the world after Whiskey Jubilee, which is the, uh, the Whiskey Fringe. I don't know. Oh, if yeah. yeah I've heard I haven't been yet. Things. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Yep. I, I, they do a great thing. Here's, here's a free idea from them via me. <laughs> um, they had a little thing called the Halftime Orange huh. where you got a token and at the halfway point in the show... You could use that token to go to one booth and taste their rare special thing that they had. And there was a list you were given as you came in. You know, everyone's interesting. It could be a really old whiskey. It could be like a crazy single cask, whatever it was. And you could use your token to go taste that one rare thing. There was no VIP hour. Mm -hmm. It was just everyone got a chance at something rare. And if you played your cards right, you could kind of game it and then like, drink your one and then go to another booth that wasn't as popular and try their, you know, say nicely, can I try it? I mean, people like Scottish whiskey festivals, they're so generous. They'll just keep, keep pouring. That's a a great idea as well. We always uh, grappled with the role of a VIP hour. We never did it because we wanted everything to be available to everybody, but you are always looking for that way for everybody to get something even more special. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, the orange Joshua comes from a soccer tradition. It's a game of two forty-five minute halves, and at halftime you would have an orange. So that's why the halftime really? for the fringe is the orange. Interesting. All right, there thank you. you. I'm, I'm here to educate. There you go. Right. I appreciate. <laughs> it. I didn't need to tell Susanna. She clearly knows this. Um, Joshua, and, <laughs> I did. I wondered about it, and I did have to ask somebody. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you. When you then left the hallowed turf of Edinburgh and Water of Life and came back to the United States, was it a different whiskey journey at that point? Did you only grow on what you'd established in Edinburgh? Did you have a period of, am I going to continue this journey? Were you so deeply in love that you couldn't do it any other way? What did that look like? I figured out pretty quickly at the end of, you know, when I was coming back to New York that I loved whiskey and I wanted to try to find some way to, to make it more central in my life. And, um, I had started kind of a food and whiskey blog that was never much of anything, but it gave me an outlet for writing about whiskey. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then through that ended up on Twitter, connecting with other whiskey people, Mm -hmm the 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 hashtag whiskey fabric yep. um as coined by joanne mckinnis mm-hmm. yep. and um and it sort of grew from there but it was hard coming back because new york city is not a good place to be a whiskey drinker on a budget and mm. i was <laughs> i had i had a job my husband was in med school 
um, we were definitely on a budget and, um, you know, I couldn't, whereas in Edinburgh, I had the club, whiskey pours at bars are very inexpensive. Yeah, the month it's offerings. not the same in New York. Yeah. In New York, it's very much, you, you really have to have a deep pocket to go out and drink whiskey. So, um, finding other whiskey people was really crucial because we traded samples and we, um, got together and everyone brought a bottle and, that extended the the wonderful warmth of community that actually really drew me mm-hmm. in to begin with. Um, and also, you know, helped me continue tasting whiskey, learning about whiskey, continue this journey um, without being completely in debt and broke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it is, it's, I, I find it, it's, I, you know, in the years since then, it's been, I guess, uh, close to nine years since I got back. From Embra, I think it's gotten a lot easier to to access these things as a sort of person on your whiskey journey, whether you're at the beginning or middle or end. Well, you're never at the <laughs> end. Um, I think I think there are a lot more spaces. I mean, now there's like women who whiskey. Yeah. If that had been around in, in 2012 when I was getting started, God, I hope it hasn't. I, maybe it was, but I didn't. I didn't know about sure, it, right? Sure. I, now there there are more clubs. There are more bars offering events. There are more liquor stores doing pours. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. there are more way more podcasts. <laughs> um, uh-huh. uh, back back in in 2012, it was it was Mark Gillespie. Yeah, that was it. it. Yeah. It was Whiskey Cast. Yep. Um, you know, and and blogs were the way I think a lot of us found each other. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, I, I remember yeah. finding you on Twitter. Um, that was that was still a period where I could go on Twitter and interact with every single other person who was on Twitter in the name of whiskey, and I I yeah. absolutely loved those days. And and <laughs> now t- Twitter has n- really nothing to do with whiskey for me. Uh, there are still a, a few people, and, and Mark Gillespie being one of them, that I do still see. Uh, obviously, Rarebird One Hundred One. We mentioned the Wild Turkey Rye earlier. But I'm not going to Twitter for whiskey. Uh, I'm I'm just not there for it. And I really I miss that time a decade ago, where it really felt like we were all of 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 one mind, one yeah. one hobby, one experience in in whiskey Twitter. Um, yeah. But all all things pass. Nature of change. They pass, they change, they evolve. There's been, I think, just in this last decade, so much change in the community of whiskey drinkers. And a lot of that, most of that maybe, has to do with the fact that we've just grown. There are just so many more people drinking whiskey. So and I think more. that's a wonderful it thing. Is. It there is. are there are some changes I'm not I'm not into. I do see a big bro culture developing around bourbon and American whiskey mm-hmm. that if we go back to gatekeeping really I think is very chilling to people who aren't broy. Um and that's not to gender it, but 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 knowing what, what I mean when I say bro is like it is it is pretty gendered. Um yep. so but that's there. but that's just one aspect of it. That's just one aspect. I love that there are so many people drinking whiskey. I think it's only a good thing because the more whiskey drinkers there are, the more whiskey there will be made. And the more that's made, you know, the more we, we get to taste the more we get to enjoy. Well, I think this is a perfect time to ask you, Susanna, what, what do you see for 2021? Given that we've just come out of 
the shit show of, of 2020 with the pandemic. <laughs> we talked earlier about kind of the hybrid, will we move to in-person and Zoom? But given the community and given your connection with the community and the industry, what, what do you see when you gaze into your crystal ball? <laughs> I don't like making predictions because I'm always wrong. But, oh, I'm so glad you um, added the bot. Go on. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked a question and I don't will answer me it. Now. No, I, I see there's still being a lot of caution from, from companies and brands about uh, launching anything ambitious simply because there's still so much precarity. It's it's going to be a long, long time before enough vaccination, um, you know, is rolled out to, to the point where we can resume life as it was or in some approximation of what it was. So so there, I think there will still be a bit of a holding pattern in some ways, but simultaneously continuing the trend of reaching people digitally, I look at how much online shopping of, for spirits mm. has uh, grown. I, it's still very limited in a lot of states, but um, the clamor for it is very loud. Mm -hmm. it, it had been loud before, and it, it got really loud in 2020 when people couldn't leave their house or travel or what 100%. have you. And I think that's a very positive trend. I'd love to see it be possible to ship spirits anywhere in the United States in any state. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen all this year, but yeah. I, we're on we're on the yeah. way. It's I the tide has turned right, and and it's it's going to happen eventually. I love the trend of seeing um, also a lot of brands and bars doing cocktail kits or takeout cocktails, where people you know they send people home with the things they need, the spirits, the the different mixers even the garnishes and ice mm -hmm. and help people, you know, just to give them a good directions or maybe there's a video on Instagram where they can do it themselves at home. Um, I think that's wonderful because demystifying um, cocktails is, is, is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it will in any way compete with bars mm -hmm. when, when bars finally come back. I love cocktails. I'm good at making cocktails myself. I would so much rather pay someone to make one hundred percent. Yes. I want to go sit at a little mm -hmm. table or at the bar and and place an order and have it put in front of me in a beautiful glass by a a charming bartender. But uh, but on the other hand, like that again, it's about access. Mm -hmm. I can't go out all the time. I may not live in a place where there are great bars. Being able to get that same drink experience that's in cocktail allows you know just it just spreads all the love around mm -hmm. so this is not a great answer to your question but i think mm -hmm. in the year ahead there's not going to be a lot of changes you know i think i think we this year is still we're in year two of a pandemic it, there's nothing is going to change quickly mm -hmm. um and but we have finally figured out like mapped enough of the landscape to know what what we can do and we're going to build on what we have done and what is possible and maybe uh, maybe find, you know, even more ways of, again, reaching people through virtual means mm -hmm. in ways that make people feel safe, too. Because even when there's widespread vaccination and, and a large number of people feel confident and safe about going out, not everybody will. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. those people still deserve every bit as much 
access to whiskey and enjoyment from whiskey as as people who make a different choice for themselves. Yeah, well said. You will tell you when I reached out to you and and we reached out to you about coming on the the podcast. We said it's just an excuse to sit and have a chat with a whiskey friend. And <laughs> sitting here today, chatting and dramming with you has been exactly what I wanted it to be. And thank you ever so much, Susanna. This has just been an really absolute treat. Well, thank you so much for having me. I You, you really sold it <laughs> <laughs> by saying we would sit and have a chat and have a dram because I miss you guys. I miss all my whiskey friends. I have been very lonely, mm. as I think we yes, all have we been. Have. And um, this is a tonic. Even though I, I deeply crave actual human interaction, this is the next best thing. And I, I really appreciate you allowing me to um, take part in this and, uh, and allowing me to speak. Cheers to that. It's been an absolute you pleasure. Oh, you are so missed. I don't know if you know this, but you are, you are missed more than you know, Susanna. Oh, you guys are too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, wonderful. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. As I mentioned in the interview, we reach out to people mm-hmm. with whom we want to hang out for some period of time. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they're already friends coming in, like Susanna. Sometimes they're friends coming out the other side. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Stephanie McLeod and, and Cara Lang, you mm-hmm. know, people who we got to speak to for the first time because of the podcast, but it will not be the last time. And right. so that that vibe that we just had with Susanna was so special and such a treat. And I want to come back to something she had said, because in the interview, she talked about in 2020, leaning on comfort drinks and really (laughs) returning to beer and kind of immersing herself in beer again because it's comfort to her but then also dipping into single malt scotch because it's of comfort to her and and in the interview she said what she was drinking I don't think we said what we were drinking and I transitioned from the 2017 Bunahaven Mm -hmm. in Port Mm -hmm. Into the the 2018 Bowmore, the the 28 year old, the, and that was a 1989 sample mm-hmm. from our dear friends Sweet Scott and Jess. Mm-hmm. And I just they they themselves are wonderfully comforting drams, but as you and I are recording this episode today, I have poured myself a Compass Box Great King Street. Glasgow blend. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking, what did I want to drink while you and I were recording the, the intro and the outro to this episode? Again, we're running with the theme of comfort. Yeah. And I constantly reach for the, the Great King Street Glasgow blend <laughs> in the name of comfort. And clearly, it says Glasgow on the label. Yeah. And clearly it has the, the statue that resides outside the, the Gallery of Modern Art with the traffic cone oh, on yeah. his head, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which is a, an iconic image out of Glasgow uh, nowadays. And so I understand that on one level, the label is just screaming, you know, 
home comfort to me. Yeah. But even even the dram itself, that little bit of Klenlish that's in the mix, that little bit of Laphroaig that's in the mix, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. incredibly comforting flavors to me. And I think the whole package just, it's like a blanket for me, just throwing that blanket over my shoulders. And so I am curious about what you were drinking yesterday and then what's a comfort dram that you reach for? So yesterday I poured and I followed suit, right? Because because Susanna said she had the Bunahaban 18, you had the the Bunahaban from Port, the Fajil. And uh, I poured the Port Eskeg 14-year-old, mm. which is one of the you know, Port Eskig is usually Kalila, but there are a few Bunahabans, one being the 14-year-old, one being the 45-year-old. The 14-year-old. Both excellent. Both excellent. And that, that 14-year-old is so funny. I, I remember it always being just a massive fruit bomb, especially when you compare it to some of the other Port Eskigs, that the phenols come out in, the, in Kalila a bit more, comparatively speaking. And then my second pour was our 10-year-old Laphroaig, the retail one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, well, I didn't sh- even see that flash across no. the screen yesterday. Okay. No, I was thinking about it because uh, hopefully I, I'm remembering who posted it, but I think it, I think it was David, David Feldner, a uh, single Maybe you might be member right. and, and listener who, right. who had just found a bottle. And I was thinking, ah. Oh, Ah, I remember. Uh, I remember how great that was. I needed to pour some, so I poured that, and it's so interesting. The Lafroig, our Lafroig, highlights just how peaty that Bunahaban is because our Lafroig is so fruity. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. surprising to me, and then and then I transitioned. I went for a third whiskey, and that was. Let me grab it here. It was an eight-year-old Port Charlotte. Uh, sorry, a seven-year-old Port Charlotte bottled for uh, Park Ave Liquors in New York. So single bourbon barrel, 63.4% alcohol. Just I, rem- I remember that one glancing across the screen. I remember Susanna commenting on how much she likes the frosted bottle. Yes. That was a great pick for them. The texture is fantastic. It had that milk chocolate note that you quite often get from Port Charlotte. And then my pour today, because I did have comfort in mind, I, I need to use my, I need to choose my words carefully here. That's a hint as to the category. <laughs> uh, you know my passion for bourbon. I, I, I love it. I adore it. One of the things that I, I love and adore about bourbon so much is that it can be that comfort whiskey because typically speaking, it's not as complex as scotch whiskey or mezcal where, where you, your brain sometimes just needs to pay attention to what's going on or else you miss things. Yeah. Where bourbon is that, it's that old shoe that just feels right, right? It's that baseball glove that's been worked in and, and now you just know how to use it. And it's just... You don't have to think so much. You're just enjoying great flavors. And that, that's what I wanted for today. But it's so interesting to me that I clearly know you as a single malt guy, although you, you, know, you have interests beyond those horizons. But here's me 
Mr. 46% and above, and Glasgow Blend is 43%. This is 45%, right? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so... <laughs> but but doesn't, that, doesn't that say something? The lower yeah. the ABV, you know, the, the higher the alcohol, the more that's in there, the more that's going on. You add some water and some new flavors come out, and, and texture is affected. You add a bit more water and it changes things again, right? When you're dealing with something that's already pretty low in ABV, 40, 43%, 45%, you can't, adding water doesn't always help it. It just relaxes it more, you know? The real trouble for me, and I, I always have to be careful because during vacations and, and certainly, you know, this year's Hanukkah into Christmas into New Year was really no different. I often will pick up a fresh bottle of Compass Box, whether it be mm. Glasgow Blend, um, the Artist Blend, Oak Cross. I can seriously drink them like water. If, if you got me a big old tumbler, I would quite easily fill it with 43% Compass Box and just quite happily drink away, drink away, drink away. It's gone. Time for a refill. Glug, 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 drink away. It goes down far too easily and I have to be very aware of what I'm doing when it comes to the Compass Box. Yeah, completely understood. Completely understood. I get it. And, and, if, and, and you are right. My passion is... First and foremost, single malt whiskey. And, and I often jokingly say, though it's not a joke at all, that bourbon is my seventh favorite drink. It's not because it's a bad drink. It's phenomenal, but it still remains my seventh favorite drink. But it, my seventh favorite is a, is, a, is a comfy one. As we return to quote-unquote love and adore... <laughs> <laughs> It's good to know if you have five more children, you will love and adore the seventh just as much as the first. I just, well. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the door. You did not walk through it. Okay. Should we, should we have a wee news chat? Does that seem appropriate at this time? I think it is appropriate. And so therefore, I'm going to call Chester Copperpot, who that's, that's our paper boy's name. I don't know if you knew that. I've just given him a name. If the cap fits. Extra, extra, Riola, Bad, Life Story, a Playboy, Penny, Extra, 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 Riola, Bad, Me and that Playboy in trouble again. We have so much to share, Jason. And I'm hoping you might take the steering wheel and uh, be the first person to, to share. We're, we're friends here. So, you know, sit down, grab a chair, and share. I have grabbed a chair. It was interesting. You made me, you made me think there, because if our, our paper boy is Chester Copperpot, it made me think of the recording we made over the, the vacation with our very own Jess Lomas for our new podcast, Triple M, Mates, Movies, and Malts, where... You and I sit down with an industry friend and we watch a movie together over the internet, which certainly poses its own challenges, while sitting on the virtual couch sharing a drama three. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, just like we talked at the start of this episode, where you and I, we hit the record button and then we just hang out for a bit of time and then we share that chat with, with the world. 
the Triple M is, is the same idea. We just get a chance to hang out for a couple of hours, have some drams. It's brilliant. It's so much fun. And, and I, I hope it comes across as natural as it feels. The trick with it is that it is a Patreon endeavour. Mm-hmm. And so there, there, is a, there is a fee. There's a toll. There's a, a monthly point of entry. Mm-hmm. But it's a negligible three dollars to to make us Patreon rich, and I tell you, <laughs> if I cannot retire on this Patreon money, we are not doing it right. So, so you want to live the life that Scrooge McDuck lives and just dive into your Patreon riches? Is that that's exactly that it? it? Yep, yep. Yeah. As much as people can pay online, they can pay digitally. They can use a credit card. I only have Patreon send me my cut in gold coins so that I can fill a room in my mansion and just dive into it. I think that's the only, it's the only way to do it. I think. Why I think would you do right. otherwise? Yeah. So if you're interested in this podcast, it, it is an unusual one. We sit down and we watch a movie together. And we talk about the movie together. However, during the course of the podcast, you actually never hear the movie. And that's because we don't really have the money to pay royalties to Warner Brothers and Universal and DreamWorks and, yeah, we, and all of these companies. We, we, need that, we need those Patreon gold coins to come straight <laughs> to our gold coin bullion. room. Bullion. Gold bullion. Yeah, we, yeah we, we, we can't be having it go into the studios. <laughs> that's not going to work. So the, so the way it works is you become a, a patron of the podcast. You then get access to the podcast. And we'll release an episode the first of every month. We'll have an industry friend with us. And we will watch a movie together. And we invite you, the listener, to queue up the movie on, on your TV and your smart device or whatever it is. And when we count to three... One, two, three. You press play and you watch the movie along with us. It's a, and, and hopefully uh, you, you'll have some drams uh, alongside you too. And, and we'll, we'll let you know what, what we pour. And Oh, Jason, you had something to include? Well, just to, to let listeners know, our first episode where we enjoyed Indiana Jones together, mm-hmm. the first Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. was just you and me. We were just mm-hmm. trying this on for size, see if it would work. That episode is available for free to everybody. The second episode, as I mentioned a moment ago, was with our very own Jess Lomas, Global Sales Manager for Single Cast Nation. And we watched The Goonies. <laughs> and she saw The Goonies for the first time in her life. First time. Which was a wonderful experience to share with her. And then our February 1 episode is going to be with the good Ian Allen of the Glen Murray Distillery. Mm-hmm. And he and I are going to subject you, Joshua, to Blade Runner, a movie which Ian and I thoroughly, thoroughly, as you say about bourbon, love and adore. And you, sir, mm-hmm. do not. Yes, because... And so that's, that's going to be a movie. great episode as well. Yeah, if you guys can convince me that Blade Runner is, is worth... Any even a second of my time, then then I will admit that I am wrong. But either way, I know I'm going to have a good time talking and, and hanging out with you guys. So so yeah, you guys. Uh, yeah, you guys. So so if you are interested in checking out Mates Movies and Malts, 
the bet and and becoming a a patron of the podcast, you can go to podbean.com and there should be a search function in in their website and just do a search for mates, movies, and malts. And then you'll find our, our, our Patreon page and then you can become a Patreon of that. And uh, this is the last thing I want to say about this because, well, because there's other news to report, right? So the last thing I'm going to say is there is a second tier of, of patronage to mates, movies, and malts. And we're only allowing two slots. And so it's kind of pricey. It's a $300 slot. However, you get to be a guest on the podcast. We will send you a whiskey sampling pack. So you could be drinking whiskeys along with us. You'll watch the movie along with us. And then you will be our featured guest for that month. So there's only two slots that sounds available. Like fun. So we, we'd love to have one or two of you join us. You know, it's interesting, Jason. I, I couldn't think of the URL for Mates, Movies, and Malts, but what I did is I went to our State of the Nation email that then got me the link. And I think this is a perfect time for you to, to tell us, to tell the listeners about Single Cast Nation. Yes. Single Cast Nation, State of the Nation, is a monthly email we send out letting every member, no matter where they are in the world, know about Single Cast Nation retail releases for UK, Europe, and rest of the world. We let the membership know about what's coming up online for sale. And we also let membership know what's coming up in the United States in retail for sale. And then we update on One Nation Under Whiskey, Extra Extra, and Mates, Movies, and Malts. And because this is our 10th anniversary year, Mm -hmm. once a month we're going to get in the Wayback Machine and we're going to post an an image that captures something we've done during our 10 years together. Mm. Uh, And each month it'll be a a different kind of element of history, company history. But one of the things we've been finding is some people listen to the podcast Some people are on the Facebook private members only page. Some people are, you know, following our Instagram. We wanted one place where each month we could be called upon to let membership know what this looks like globally. And we can deliver it right to your inbox. So if you have interest in that, and I sincerely hope you do, Go to singlecastnation.com. Down the left side, you will see become a member. All it will ask you for is your name and email address. That is it. We're not going to hit you up for a credit card number that we're not going to charge. We're not going to hit you up for any personal details. We're just going to get your name and your email address. And and I think this this is worth saying in the 21st century. If at any point you realize this email isn't for you, you can unsubscribe. The link is at the bottom of every state of the nation. So you're not trapped into anything. Mm. Hopefully, we'll make it interesting, just like we try to make our podcast interesting. But it's a good place to know what this nation is looking like globally. I think it bears mentioning, too, for because I'll tell you, I, I have 
two email addresses I have slated for where junk email goes because there's things that I've signed up to where people have obviously sold my email address Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. And Mm -hmm. we would never do that uh, if anyone approached us. We've not ever been approached for that. We have been approached by other brands within the industry, and I, I won't say who, who they are, where they've offered us their mailing list, and, and we've yes, always we said have. no to that. We've always said mm. no to that because we're going to get our customers the, the fair and square way, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't buy a list and we wouldn't sell our list. So there you go. No, the only the only people who've ever emailed are people who have actively signed up to be emailed by us. That's it. Clean, simple, transparent, honest, straightforward. Speaking of emailing people, we just recently delivered our fifth email update to those who purchased our twenty four year old bourbon, the the one we've been calling pre fire, um, <laughs> <laughs> which allows us to. To tell you what it is without telling you uh, mm-hmm. what it is. If you're in the know, then you know. Uh, but we've delivered our, our fifth update. And did you want to add anything here to that, Jason? No, I'll just reiterate the thing that was in the fifth update, which is Joshua and I are eager to start shipping these to doorsteps. Everything looks like touch wood, spin three times, Whatever lucky charms you have, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Whatever it takes. It's looking like January 20 will be the beginning of the shipping. (sighs) And, you know, we continue to live in a pandemic. We continue to live in times that are uncertain. We still have USPS. Not that we use USPS for shipping alcohol. But as an example, USPS, United States Postal Service, are still overwhelmed with shipments from December. Mm-hmm. And here we are, beginning of January, hitting the middle of January. It's a tough time to be shipping things. We've got 1,200 bottles of bourbon going out. We are moving as fast as we can, and we are eager. And the thing that we, we said, we hinted to in the update, which we always say, Joshua and I do not have any of these bottles we're not sipping on these bottles while we're recording this podcast we will get our bottles of the 1994 pre-fire bourbon when the last of the bottles has gone out to our members Mm -hmm. who supported this release we're not queue jumping we're not a member of congress getting uh, a vaccine for coronavirus here we're the last people in the queue (laughs) And so, and, and we want it. I'm desperate for it. Desperate for it. I'm so I'm, eager for it. I'm, I'm jealous of, of Jess, right? If, 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 if you've purchased a bottle of this whiskey, you will have seen a picture of the bottle and a glass filled with whiskey from that bottle. And that came from Jess Lomas, who's our global sales manager. And of course, this goes without saying, a very dear friend. But she... Really? She and and Sweet Scott, who who we've mentioned uh, many many times on the podcast as well, actually purchased this bottle from a UK shops, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> she, she didn't get her free bottle. She went. To, you know, if you want your bottle now, you can go to check out some UK online stores. And no, they're all sold out, aren't they? Oh Jesus, look at that! Look at that, Jason. They all sold out instantaneously. 
So, uh, so yeah, uh, we, we like our customers, consumers, single cast nation members to gain access to this before we do, right? You paid your good money. You get the bottles before us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, and let's keep going with the, the online membership where in the last state of the nation, we announced there is the oldest whiskey we've bottled to date will be released. It's the very next release. And it's to really kick off our 10th anniversary year. Mm-hmm. We are bringing out a 46-year-old Invergordon Scottish grain whiskey that was distilled in March of 1974. Jesus. I was born in June of 1974. And so this predates me uh, in the country of Scotland, which is somewhat remarkable. And we're going to release that on January 19. It is going to begin shipping immediately from our shipper in San Francisco. Our bourbon will be tying up our shipper in Los Angeles. So we're, we're not crossing the streams. We're not crossing the Schwartzies here. <laughs> we're trying to get bottles out as quick as we can. And we'll have approximately 150 bottles of the Invergarden 1974 up for sale. At noon Eastern on January 19, we do not do lotteries for these. We understand at $295, there is going to be more demand than there are bottles to go around. But it's simply a finite number of bottles coming from a 46-year-old cask. And that well, is I- a hell of a way to kick off the 10th anniversary. And, and I think it's good to point out, right? You, you just listed out good news tempered by bad news, right? Here's the oldest bottle we've bought. Here's the oldest whiskey we've bottled to date. Sorry, there's only 150 bottles of it. But the good news is this is our 10th anniversary and we have many things in store, many surprises, many very interesting uh, whiskeys and other spirits. So this won't be your only opportunity to get something that we deem to be a bit extra special for our 10th anniversary. And we're going to follow up 150 bottles of a Mm 46-year-old with 750 bottles of a (laughs) six-year-old. There is that. (laughs) But we'll discuss that more in the next episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we've got retail release Mm 6.5 hitting shelves in the United States. Do you want to put some leaves on those branches, Joshua? I do. You know, it's interesting for the, for those that are listening and hear 6.5, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> unfortunately... It's how you get to Hogwarts. <laughs> right, you just have to run through that, uh, that thing. No, it... <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember this, Jason. Maybe our maybe our listeners remember this. In in 2020, there was um, there was a, a virus that that started taking over the world. And yeah, it's it's called the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, okay. as, as some people like to call it. And and that's a, that's so COVID nineteen, right? It's so COVID nineteen, and apparently. It's disrupted the entire world, including what was going to be our seventh release. Normally, when Jason and I do a release, it will be between five and six different bottlings. 
the fact of the matter is we've got more than enough casks to fulfill a five or six bottling release. However, for various COVID-related reasons, we were only able to get two of those casks bottled and, and brought over. And they came over with, uh, with the bourbon, with the, with the 24-year-old bourbon. And, and so we call this a half release, right? Release 6.5. And the two whiskeys that are in it, there's an 11-year-old Tiananich from a first fill uh, bourbon hogshead. And then a 27-year-old Strathclyde, our first ever Strathclyde. I'm very excited about first that. First ever? 27-year-old uh, from a first fill bourbon barrel. And that's it. That's our half release. It's not even a half release. That's like a one-third release, Jason. <laughs> However, it's 6.333. <laughs> However, it's not quite as bleak as that because we do have an exclusive single malt, single cask mm -hmm. heading to our friends at Roma in New York City. And that is a 10-year-old Ardmore, which has, to my mind, three words on the label <laughs> that are going to help this fly out the door. Mm -hmm. Barbecued marshmallows. That's two words. I know. Do you like what I did there? But uh, see, I thought you were going to go with the three words, which was weaponized confectioner sugar. Which is, is that on the truncated label? That's on the truncated label, my friend. Yeah. There's, just, there's just words. There's just so many wonderful words around this. I've already personally got my order in with Roma to get that Ardmore. Uh, could, you add a, could you add a bottle for me? I always add a bottle for you. Good man, Charlie Brown. And one for our How five. dare you suggest otherwise? <laughs> and so, so we've got that going on. And then also, and this happened in December, and we did announce it on the, the Facebook page, but now it's, it's also a part of the 6.5 release, is that 99 bottles in Connecticut have a 12-year-old Tennessee bourbon single cask. That that has been flying out the doors. It, it's, it's not it's about to be out. released. I, yeah, I think it's sold yeah. out now. You confirmed that with them? Yeah, it's it's gone. There's just a, a bottle left for us for archive. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> um, One way to stay informed. And we just talked about this in terms of becoming a member. We just talked about this in terms of State of the Nation. But also, we do update the, the company blog with these announcements as well. Mm. And if you go to singlecastnation.com, go down the left side, you will see blog. And we did put the UK, European, rest of the world retail release number two on the blog before it released mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we've now got the 6.5 US retail release on that blog. You'll see the word blog, you'll then see there's a drop down menu, you'll then pick you know, whichever release you want to be reading about and we've left up every release, even the announcement of going into retail remains on that blog as well. So you can even jump into the, the Wayback Machine and go back to you know, spring of 2017 when we were announcing that this was going that's to right. be happening. Yeah, that's so, right. 
So yeah, we, we, we're, trying, we're trying our best to keep information flowing. And as you heard in the interview with Susanna, we're not even telling Whiskey Advocate what we're working on. And so we're busy trying to communicate directly with members, directly with people who are spending their money in stores for Single Cast Nation. And we're trying to, to keep spreading the word mm-hmm. uh, as a, a certain chap sang in the, what might have been the 60s? Start spreading the news. Ah, okay. So you said spreading the word. Not that yeah, the 60s? Yeah, I think, there was, I think there was a few guys who followed on a guy from somewhere around the year zero. I think they were spreading the good news. All right. I haven't said that. I think they started spreading it somewhere around 250, 300. But anyway, we're not going to quibble over religious publications. Yeah, there you go. You and I, sir, need to get out of here. And normally, right around now, we'd be reading people's emails. But uh, A, we don't really have time for that. And B, we've been holding emails to the side because we're preparing for our annual mailbag episode. I'm hoping our listeners are thinking, Joshua said we don't have time for this. And today's episode is, is what, two hours, two and a half hours? They could make time if they wanted to. They've got no qualms about releasing three hours and 15 minutes. But you went on to say the important part of this, which is once the calendar year turns over, we save all emails for the mailbag episode. Mm-hmm. So please do keep sending them in. We we are seeing them coming in. We did have Jigs sent in some wonderful questions as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jigs, we got your email. We're not going to touch them yet. But listen for the coverage. We do appreciate you sending those in. Other people have been sending in questions as well. James Foster is always in the mailbag episode. He's a good, good lad who asks us questions all the time. There are even questions we just simply respond to him over email. Mm. Uh, and then others that we say, we'll pivot back to that. So I had a dream about, about James Foster last night. Well, that's beautiful. Did you bathe him or did he bathe you? Why not both, Jason? Why not both indeed? <laughs> uh, no, it was, we were at a bar and you were, it was, it was you, me, him, his wife, Martha, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a few other people and we were in Seattle at the time. So it was, it was almost as if we were back at the Jubilee, like post Jubilee or something. And you went up to the bar to get some drinks and there were going to be surprises and it was funny. It, it was like my my brain wanted it to be a pre-COVID world because the idea was I'm going to get something for each of us and then we'll all go around, right? Which is kind of what Susanna was talking about. We just about. talked about this. I yeah, know, we talked about it, this which, which, I think, which I think, which is why I had this dream. But when when you went up to the, to the bar in my dream, uh, James turned to me and said, okay, while I have you, why... <laughs> I've known Jason for a while. I don't want to upset him, but I want to know why don't you answer more of my questions on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so brilliant. That's so good. I thought you'd like that. Oh, that is wonderful. Wonderful. Well, kudos to Joshua's brain for giving Mm. us that treat. Mm -hmm. That is excellent. 
things your brain is turning over when you're meant to be sleeping and meant to be resting. You're thinking, oh gosh, we haven't been answering enough emails. <laughs> it's it's true. It's anxiety all the time. And I, I, I typically don't show it, but it came out of my dream. <laughs> gosh, that is the perfect story to get out of here on. But before we do, let's tell the listeners how to contact us in general and for the mailbag episode. And then we'll call it a podcast slash podcast. <laughs> if you're interested in getting an email in for our mailbag episode, which goes live on, I want to say, February 17th, somewhere around there, mid-February, uh, you can email us questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. You could send us an Instagram message. Just, you know, look for One Nation Under Whiskey and you can send us a message there. Uh, you could also go to our Facebook page. Just search for One Nation Under Whiskey. I'd say you can tweet at us, but it's Twitter, right? Who needs that? Oh, um, go on. Go really? on. Give us a tweet. Uh, well, all right. send yeah. us a DM. Send us a send DM. Us a D- and, yeah, don't right. tweet it. We won't see the tweet, but DM us. So our, our handle there, our Twitter handle is at One Nation Whiskey. And whiskey, of course, for us, is always spelled without the E. I'll share a quick Twitter secret with you, Joshua. Oh, I like Twitter secrets. If somebody, if a dear listener DMs us a question for the mailbag episode, not only will we see it in the app, it will also come to our info at singlecastnation.com account. There you go. So we won't miss it. We don't even have to go into Twitter. You and I can just look in our... Oh my gosh, that is... Yep. Yep. That is so. Uh, I think that should blessing. fill that should fill a listener with confidence. If you want to DM us on on the Twitter machine, that would be that would be a thing. And so you can use all of all of those tools to reach out to us with any questions. But just know if you do have questions for us now, between now and January thirtieth is when we're collecting for our mailbag episode. So if it's pressing, get it out to us. We'll put it in the mailbag episode. If it's not so pressing. You can still email us and we'll, we can answer it at a later date. And just to give another round of kudos to Joshua's brain, February the 17th is indeed the Wednesday when the mailbag episode will drop. Do you know why I know that? It's your... No. Because I always know when Valentine's Day is. And... I remembered that this would be the first episode after Valentine's Day. So I just did math. Because Valentine's Day is on the Sunday. I didn't think that the dream story could be topped. But you always knowing the day of the week when Valentine's Day will happen. I I can't be topped because all I'm going to do is tell you that Valentine's Day is a total fucking sham holiday. But, (laughs) But that's not why we're here, Joshua. I will see you for the first episode of the second season of Extra Extra, dropping January 20. Looking forward to that, my friend. Chin chin and big cheers. Chin chin, two chins, big cheers, big ears. Thanks to Susanna. Thanks to Joshua's brain for the dream story. Thanks to you, Joshua, for all your hard work on this. Thanks to anybody I've met along the way. Couldn't have done it without any of you. Big ups. And thanks to our listeners. Oh, 
they're my favorite. Oh, your clinking sounds terrible. My my clinking's expert, pure fucking expert. You Listen stole that. that clinking from me. <laughs> <laughs> your clink sucks, sir. Bing. Oh, it just sounds like you. I'm gonna smash this glass if I keep going. Cheerio. One elephant, elephant, two elephant, elephant, three elephant, elephant, four elephant, five elephant. Beautiful. I do find when we have a guest on, I say that slower. You do. Um, But when it's just you and me and we each know how this works, it's easy to just crank it up. But the thing that I don't understand is seconds remain seconds, whether you're with... Like the theory of relativity shouldn't matter here because we know how to count. I would say that I do a faster second when it's just you and me, and I think I do a slower second when it's with a guest. Because, you know, when it's just you and me, it's just you and me, but others are around, you want to show them you could perform, you could last a little longer. Well, the lasting is important to me. Very important. (laughs)